way. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Hancock, and welcome to uh, today's session with Lorraine Carter. And we were just saying we've probably known each other for, you know, probably at least four years. And Lorraine says definitely more than that. You know, but she's actually been in business. It's coming up 30 years where she's been a, a persona branding and design, you know, guru, really. And I think I love this statement. You say branding is not marketing or design, but a bedrock strategy supporting and directing your whole business. So it empowers you to transform your own brands and increase your sales. So today, Lorraine, you're joining us from from Dublin in Ireland, and you've got people, I think, from at least five different uh, continents on the call that I can see so far. So um, welcome. You've got some locals on the call, some local people in Dublin. I just see people on the call from London here, the Europe, and then moving right across Asia and into Australia and New Zealand as well. So lovely to have you, and we're looking forward um, to hearing from you. You wanted to share a presentation, right? That's right, yeah. Okay, over to you and folks, any questions you've got, you can type them in and, and we'll get to those a little bit later. So before I kick off, a question I have for you. On a scale of one to 10, one is abysmal and 10 is amazing. Where would you rate yourself, your brand and your brand strategy as strongly differentiated, trusted and sought after because you're seen as your ideal target audience's best choice, consistently achieving higher revenue and referral. Now, don't shout out a number. There are no one, twos or threes here. Four, five and six, you're doing reasonably well. If you're a seven or eight, you're in a strong place. Today is about helping you close that gap to be a nine or a 10. Now, I know you're undoubtedly you know, leader, very strong leaders, business owners, decision makers and entrepreneurs with a really solid track record. And the last year probably challenged many of us in different ways. But having said that, there are significant opportunities for growth on multiple fronts. So today is about helping you reevaluate how you differentiate, innovate and align your business and brand more effectively to maximize on that potential. And in a lot of contexts, resistance to change and barriers to entry have dropped. However, there are perhaps instances where the market has changed so significantly that some of your customers' demand for what you offer has changed or the market has become more aggressive. So you might be getting caught up in pricing or fee issues, discounting or competitor threats, or perhaps struggling to attract or retain customers or perhaps even talent. You may be considering a business or organization model adaptation, consolidation or extension of a service offering, new product development or a brand refresh to maximize on change and are not entirely sure where to start to ensure you differentiate and attract more of your ideal audience to achieve that higher revenue, to get a maximum return on your investment. So in my 20 plus years of working with large and small organizations like maybe MGI in the UK or Castle Brands in the US or Enterprise Ireland or Solace, the state agency in Ireland, tasked with building a world-class further, further education and training sector for Ireland's future or Nestle, Law Society, Aberley Luxury Yachts in Greece or Statuity in Germany or even Thunders Bakery here in Dublin. And in over 10 other countries worldwide, 
I've seen businesses and organisations with superb products or services struggle simply because they haven't differentiated themselves enough relative to their competitors or given their customers their ideal target audience a really compelling reason to choose them instead of a competitor. They haven't evaluated the market and competitors from the context of their brand and target audience or customers. So they're highly differentiated, credible, trustworthy, highly visible and much loved. And they're not making that customer journey or buying experience really great from a customer perspective. You will have greater clarity to make more informed choices because you can better evaluate the market versus your organization and your brand. You'll have a frame of reference behind the strategy underpinning those key decisions and perhaps point the way differently for identifying those vulnerabilities as well as strengths and opportunities for innovation and growth. You'll know more about how to become highly differentiated, visible, credible, trusted and much loved so you can command a premium and leave your competitors far be behind. Achieve the commercial rewards you so richly deserve. You'll know more about the importance of psychology in brand strategy to influence your ideal target audience. The essentials to build a differentiated powerhouse brand and how to evaluate and leverage change in the context of your brand, business, your strengths, vulnerabilities and opportunities for innovation and growth from a brand perspective. So you're not making short-term changes, but understanding the bigger drivers behind longer-term emergent trends to drive consistent growth and build resilience. I'll also be sharing some insights on the systems behind strongly differentiating, standing out, being highly visible, credible and much loved and trustworthy as from the perspective of your ideal customers and what the essentials are behind being the one, the brand that commands that premium pricing power. So it was uh, the 16th of November 2015, half three in the afternoon and the phone rang and I was up to my tonsils. And a woman called Azana was on the line. In truth, I didn't know her, but she changed that really quickly because she, well, the line was just pulsing with her energy. I was completely blown away by her vibrancy. She's such an always on, make things happen kind of person, amazing to be with. She got straight to the point, she's very direct. And she told me how she wasn't connecting successfully with her customers and all the problems in her business. You know, Lorraine, we are superb at what we do, but it's not being reflected in our brand or the level of business we should be doing. In fact, I think our brand and everything about it is a complete mess. I'm not clear on what's wrong, but it's not working. And it's costing us money. Worse still, our competitors are doing better with much lower quality offerings. Things have got to change. Because if we don't change, we'll continue to struggle and are going to lose key staff, lose money or worse, still go bust. I've hired supposed consultants and it's been a total waste of money. So I'm contacting you because I heard you get results. Nothing like being put on the spot, is there? And this is Ozana. So... To give you a bit more context, Ozana's businesses operate between the UK, US and Romania. They're all interrelated, 
But looking at them from the outside while I had a quick flick through her sites as we talked, it was very hard to understand what they were really selling or the problems they solved or even how each of her business entities related to each other or what made them special. If I was one of her potential customers, why should I trust them or buy from them? These are fundamentals that any of us can ask ourselves when evaluating not only our own businesses but our competitors or even other businesses or organisations we might be considering making a purchase from. Here's some of the reasons why Ozana and other organisations struggle. They need to generate higher margins and bigger profits. They need to attract and retain more ideal customers. They need to stop struggling or losing to competitors and they need to differentiate strongly. So the question you might reflect on is, which of these are relevant to your business and brand? You see, there's a common theme here, regardless of your sector. And that question is, what business are you really in? Because if you talk to Sinead from Thunder's Bakery, she'll tell you they don't just sell cakes and bread. They're in the business of making special occasions more memorable because they give their customers a lot more than just the icing on the cake. Or if you talk to Alison Ritchie from Polar Ice, she runs a modestly sized small family business competing against big utility enterprise organisations. And she'll tell you she doesn't just sell dry ice as a commodity because she's in the business of safeguarding her customers' businesses. They provide a critical link, ensuring their customers' success. Or if you talk to Shona Cooper from MGI Learning in the UK, she doesn't just sell merely training because Shona and her team are in the business of enabling their customers' people to shine whatever comes their way, personally or professionally. So, the question is, this is worth reflecting on. What business are you really in? What's the driving force behind what you do? And how does that substantially differentiate you from your competitors? You see, every business leader, decision maker, manager, owner, entrepreneur, ultimately wants better results, more freedom, time, money. We're living in a market that has shifted dramatically in less than 12 months globally. In fact, we're still living in a landscape of rapidly shifting sand dunes and reduced or increased barriers to entry. Customer preferences are changing often and frequently. Economic waves are moving fast. New technologies and emergent trends are offering huge opportunities. Government policy and priorities, whether you're in Africa, the US, UK, China or Australia or Europe is changing. And there's fast restructuring and ad adaptation in the marketplace, all of which potential, offers huge potential. So here are the, some of the reasons why Ozana and other business leaders or decision makers don't move forward. They're worried about throwing good money after bad. They don't know enough to make it successful. 
They don't have big business resources. And fundamentally, they're asking that question, why should I trust you? You've probably said or heard that being said among some of your peers. Here are some of the reasons why Uzana and other business leaders and owners like Sinead Heffernan from Thunders Bakery in Dublin or MGI Learning in the UK or Dr. Tanya Pagol in the US have become more successful in the current market. They've reevaluated their business and brands. They have a robust underlying brand strategy, a baseline which enables them to flex and move fast. They're consistently implementing their business and brand strategy to drive growth. Ozana decided that she'd have to make some fundamental changes, reevaluate the business from a customer perspective, and also relative to her competitors, differentiate significantly so they could become a lot more compelling to their ideal customers. The ideal choice from a customer perspective, because doing more of the same simply wasn't going to work. And I'll also share more with you about how she's adapted in the current context and succeeded in driving growth. In fact, speaking to her in the last month, she's been more profitable in the last year than before 2020. So listening closely to Azana as she delved more deeply into her business, I then asked her a question when she paused for breath that I'd like to share with you too, because it's one we all need to pause and reevaluate even more frequently when the market is highly dynamic. And that question is, how do you want your customers to feel and think every time they hear your name or interact with your brand through your services, products and people? This is so important. I'd suggest you write it down. Coming back to Zana, that actually stopped her in her tracks for a moment. I'm not sure what you mean, Lorraine. I guess I want them to feel happy that we've helped them increase their sales. Hmm. Interesting. So what else would you like them to feel? Do you think what you've just shared with me is any different to your competitors? On the face of it, not really. It's a bit generic. So there's no compelling reason to buy beyond a priced-based decision, the cheapest. And we all know competing on price is a race to the bottom unless you're a giant with deep pockets like Amazon, Facebook or Ryanair. Why does what your customers feel and think matter, you might ask? This is your first brand pillar. Because emotion drives purchase. People buy with emotion first, regardless of gender or cultural background, and justify with rational afterwards. So this means you must win the heart first in order to move the mind. In fact, truth be told, some business leaders, owners and entrepreneurs are very skeptical about this whole emotional factor. Consider Sinead from Thunders Bakery. She really struggled with this initially because she's an accountant, a superb number cruncher. She loves spreadsheets, but when she got it, she leveraged it to the full, and you can see that in how funders have adapted so successfully in the current market. And this is a business rooted in tradition, founded over 50 years ago. And I'll share a bit more with you 
about that later, particularly around how she's achieved that in the current context with very lean resources. Her business is up fourfold on January 2020 from having had to completely close and furlough her staff last year. In real terms, this means as a decision maker, manager, business leader, owner, entrepreneur, you must know your customers intimately, their needs, wants, loves, hates and aspirations, because you can only build a really compelling brand to meet their needs when you genuinely understand the deeper drivers behind their choices. You see, you can see this evidence among some of the biggest and most successful brands and organizations in the world because it's a founding principle. Whether you're looking at a trillion dollar brand like Apple or Amazon, when you look more closely, you can see they have a deeper understanding of what matters to their customers. So it underpins their success. And in case you think this is outside your reach, all of the leanly resourced businesses I'm sharing with you today have leveraged this insight and know-how to great success. So back to March last year, a couple of days after the government here had announced our first lockdown, I made a really quick decision. Customers were reeling in shock. Businesses were literally falling off a cliff. So I invited customers and clients in different countries to join a brand strategy peer group mastermind. These customers were from the UK, US, Romania and Ireland who chose to participate. Everyone was in a similar state of enforced closure, struggling to figure out what to do and how to stay viable. The focus was on reinventing fast, finding solutions to adapt and doing business effectively, albeit differently. Everyone had a strong baseline with a robust brand strategy built while participating previously in the Persona Brand Strategy Leadership Program. So this was about leveraging and adapting from a robustly developed base. For nine weeks, we worked flat out leveraging at a leadership level to figure out how to move forward, how to operate in a very different world that was changing and largely out of our control, driven by leaders outside at a political context. None of these businesses had a significant online business model. Some of them are in the learning and development space. Some are very traditional bricks and mortar, like hospitality and real estate. All of them are businesses with lean resources that are more profitable this year and are going to share with you how they've done it with those very lean resources. So take Thunder's Bakery and Sinead, 12 physical locations, over 100 staff and enforced closure. Up until autumn 2019, she was trading less than 10% online. This is a very traditional business with fresh, highly perishable products. In the first two weeks of March 2020, before COVID-19 required them to close, they were up 300% on their online sales compared to the whole of March 2019, having applied their brand strategy very effectively from the work done in the previous autumn. By the end of May 2020, after being completely closed for six weeks with 150 staff furloughed, they were back to 69% and by the end of June 2020, back at 108%. January 2021, they're up fourfold on January 2020. Results from consistently applying their brand strategy. The focus is now 
all about growing online alongside their physical presence, coffee shops and bakery stores as they're allowed to reopen properly. They had to adapt how they communicated with customers, what they sold and how they sold it. This is a business that sells artisan bakes, rustic breads and signature special occasion cakes for large groups of people. Their signature cakes are priced at 65 to 300 euros, sold to celebrate, celebrate special occasions with large gatherings of people. It's what they're most known for. Suddenly they had to cater for people at home, on their own and small family units. Large gatherings stopped overnight. Corporate client business disappeared. Their stores and coffee shops closed. They had to change product offerings, formats, sizes, packaging and really step up their online engagement. They had to develop a whole online order taking and offline delivery system. And even when they were allowed to start reopening in April 2020, there are some of their physical locations that haven't and won't ever reopen because they're based in locations at the centre of office hubs. People are still working remotely and large organisations like Google are not planning to have their people back on site fully till 2022. People have changed how and where they work permanently. So Thunder's business model has had to change to fit customer preferences and a very different market. And I'm guessing there are lots of parallels here of what you've had to do over the last year too. So back to Ozana, but Lorraine, we're targeting SME entrepreneurs and business owners. We've rebranded, we've got a new logo, new website. We're very active in social media and advertising. So why isn't it working? How do I know anything else you've got to offer is better than what we've already done and is going to get better results? This was Ozana's issue and you may have had similar experiences. You've possibly already spent a lot of money on design, website and social media, marketing and advertising, and it didn't always work as well as you'd like. What's missing is the brand strategy. So I'm going to share with you more about what that entails and how brand strategy ensures all the outputs like a website, advertising, combined to get the commercial results you want. Rosanna's a fast thinker, a bit impatient, and she doesn't suffer few fools. So I asked her another question. Have you ever been on a road trip, a long distance road trip? Imagine COVID-19 is a distant memory. The economy's healthy and we all have immunity and freedom. And you're starting on the road trip of a lifetime. It's super exciting. You've just landed in Shenzhen and they're now driving from there onto Shanghai, then Beijing. Next stop, Russia. Only one minor detail presents a bit of a challenge. You can't read or speak any of the languages. You don't have Google Maps or a GPS or even an old traditional paper map. And you're hoping to get to your destinations expeditiously. Lorraine, I love traveling. That makes total sense. Sure, I speak three languages, but not Chinese. But hell, we've already done so much and have so little to show for it. Am I going to be throwing good money after bad yet again? Our resources are even smaller because we've not got the results from all the hard work. Presents a bit of a challenge, eh? 
Building a powerhouse standout brand is somewhat similar because a brand needs a roadmap to be highly differentiated, visible, credible, and trusted and much loved by its ideal target audience. So they're super happy to pay a premium and that roadmap is your brand strategy. And I'll share more with you about that later. Think of your brand like an iceberg. Your logo, website and brochures are only the visual identifiers, that tiny bit sticking above the water. They're not actually your brand because that huge colossal mass under the water, that's your brand. So without a brand strategy underpinning them, a new logo or website or design changes alone won't enable business leaders to increase sales. You see, your brand is the purpose, vision, mission, values, personality, promise and value proposition it offers to meet its customers' needs and expectations in certain ways. The collection of experiences your customers have every time they interact with your brand through your products and services and the people that represent and champion your brand. These are some of the key factors that make up a powerful brand strategy, your brand roadmap. Brand strategy is actually the bedrock underpinning a whole organization along with the business strategy. Together they provide the direction for key commercial decisions along with culture development, HR, marketing campaigns and design implementation. So if an organization wants to become more highly differentiated, visible, credible, trusted and much loved so it can achieve higher revenue, then brand strategy is the starting point. And it's made up of 14 key areas three of which I'm sharing with you now. Brand strategy defines who you are, what you stand for, why you exist, how you're different, and why you're the perfect choice for your ideal target audience. So back to Azana and other similar business leaders, decision makers, owners, and entrepreneurs. Like many SMEs, she had problems. She didn't know what brand strategy is, she didn't have it, and she was making a lot of costly mistakes. This is your third brand pillar, the psychology in brand strategy, understanding what drives your preliminary, your primary target audience at a deeper level and understanding those insights and how that influences their decision making. You see, customers experience conflict at three levels. And in fact, like many of your customers, Ozana had problems or conflicts at three levels as well. And we as decision makers and business leaders have to resolve our customers' pain points and challenges. However, most organizations only address the most obvious generic problem, like all their competitors. With the result, they end up competing on price, which we all know is a race to the bottom. In fact, these customer pain points have become even more amplified in the current market. So how do you step out of that trap and run your own much more profitable premium pricing strategy. Let's look at your clients and customers and the three areas of conflict. This is your third brand pillar. There's the average generic problem most of your customers compete with you on, or your competitors compete with you on. And then there's a second deeper level of internal conflict. And then there's the third philosophical conflict. If you can address the second and third of these conflicts through your brand, along with the first generic one, then you're in a much stronger place. So why does understanding your customers' pain points or problems at three levels matter? 
because customers are far more, more interested in buying solutions to their internal conflicts and challenges and problems than they are to the generic, obvious, external ones. And most organisations typically sell only to the external, obvious problems or challenges. As business leaders and decision makers, we can't just sell to the external, obvious factors because customers are much more motivated to solve their inner frustrations, worries and concerns. And this is the psychology of influence, brand psychology. So when you nail that through your brand strategy, you're, you're already a step ahead of your competitors, differentiating, building trust and credibility, and so giving your customers a compelling reason to buy and refer repeatedly. If you layer on the huge changes that people have been experiencing over the last year and a half, then you have an additional complexity through which to evaluate things, both from a business leader, manager, owner and customer perspective. We've all been experiencing it when we reflect on our own behaviours, perceptions and those of our colleagues, friends and family. When people are living with increased uncertainty, reduced social interaction, their behaviour changes. Levels of irrational behaviour increase. The perceived value of money changes. Superstition and conspiracy theories become rampant, all of which massively impacts people's buying decisions and how they see a brand, product or service, B2B or B2C. Rituals, behaviours, habits change dramatically, perhaps permanently. So that means a brand has to adapt and change its tone to fit with the buyer-seller landscape. Research shows that 85% of brand and buying decisions are driven irrationally and only 15% rationally. So layer on the environment we've been living through and are continuing to live through and you have a very potent mix. Who's ever bought something spontaneously? Go on, be honest. What about that monster-sized TV system with all the latest gizmos that you simply had to have because they project you into a new three-dimensional reality? Or the latest business app that, you, that makes what you do at work so much easier and you simply can't do without it, Evernote sinking in a nanosecond across all your devices as you manage all those details, notes and files and thoughts flicking through your mind so you capture those critical ideas and thoughts before they disappear into the ether. Or the business in the high-end creative media or video sector. The latest Mac Pro is a must, even though it has a mere 52,000 price tag if you go for the all-singing, all-dancing model. Or what about that gorgeous pair of shoes that you absolutely can't live without because they make you feel a million dollars? We've all done it and then spent some, some considerable time afterwards justifying that much-needed purchase to a significant other or best friend. Remember when you had to last listen to a friend wax lyrical about a purchase and nodded encouragement while secretly wondering what you've missed because, because you, can't, you can't figure out for the life of you why they're so enamoured with said item. That's the power of brand in action and it happens just as much in B2B as it does in B2C product or service. So when Ozana, Sinead, Alison and Shona and many other SMB uh, business leaders, owners and entrepreneurs have cracked this nut open as one key part of mapping out their brand strategy, they've made a massive shift. So enabling them to be in a much stronger position to differentiate, resonate and attract their ideal audience and convert those into customers and command a premium. So the key things you need to remember here are that emotions 
and customer pain points drive purchase. People buy with emotions first, regardless of gender or cultural background, and justify with rational afterwards. So you must win the heart first in order to move the mind. Every strong brand has a clear roadmap to differentiate and build trust. Be visible, lovable, profitable. To be the one, that roadmap is your brand strategy. And business and brand strategy must work hand in hand to drive commercial decisions and provide the direction for culture development, marketing, communications and design to achieve higher revenue. These are some of your key pillars to brand and business success. And there are, in fact, three overarching areas. In simplified terms, the ABC of brand building. Analyze, build, convert. There are multiple modular subsystems, each with its own toolkits for building, developing and leveraging a brand. And we've looked briefly at three pillars as part of a modular 14-part system for building a strong brand strategy, as you can see here. All these SME brands mentioned are using this framework to underpin their success. I don't have time to share it all with you now, but in truth, it's part of another separate talk. So for example, brand purpose is a huge driving force in any organization. Leveraged correctly, it can accelerate growth by 69% compared to the growth of brands, product or service without. In fact, it's become an even bigger driver over the last year. And you can see this evidence in both small and large organizations like Thunder's Bakery, MGI Learning and Unilever. Brand hierarchy, how you optimize, package and present your products and services, and I use this in the broadest sense, has a massive impact on how your customers perceive what you offer and how your team internally can engage and convert that into new business. What in jargon terms can be referred to as upselling and cross-selling to achieve higher revenue. And this is actually part of our system, which is also used in the Economist Group. So whatever you're selling, this system is applicable regardless of what sector you're in. Whether you're selling a product, a service, employer brand, it's even applicable to your personal brand aligned with your corporate entity brand. So let's take a look at where you are now and what you can do to reduce vulnerabilities amplify strengths, and most importantly, leverage hidden opportunities for growth. One of the most effective tools you can use to help you identify opportunities, mitigate risk, and amplify strengths is a brand audit. At the end of this talk, I'm going to share a link with you so you can actually access the, this Persona ebook to help you make better decisions moving forward. We actually sell this on the site, but I'm giving it to you today, complimentary. And you can see some of the content, and if you'd like a copy, I'll uh, share the link with you at the end of this talk. So a brand audit is a tool you can use to help you identify your strengths, weaknesses and opportunities for innovation and growth. It's a key part of managing, developing and growing your business and brands. So you can use it to reevaluate your current status and establish an accurate picture of your baseline. Your brand, business and the market are all highly dynamic entities which either work very cohesively to drive growth or underperform. So this tool enables you to leverage hidden opportunities for growth. It's not a quick review of the numbers. A comprehensive brand audit reveals new growth opportunities and how to resonate with new and existing customers. Taking care of your business and your brand is a bit like going to the gym, exercising regularly multiple times a week, the day you stop regular exercise 
or healthcare is the day you start to decline and eventually lead to your own demise. A brand is the same, so it needs regular health checks to keep it in optimum condition, relevant, thriving and highly profitable. We're living in, in constant cycles of disruption and the key is to identify where the opportunities lie in that cycle of disruption so you can innovate, be the disruptor, not the disrupted and leave your competitors far behind. And Brand Audit is a tool that helps you identify and harness those opportunities to reinvent, stay relevant and grow. MGI Learning and Development is a, is a learning and development organisation punching way above its weight working with clients worldwide. And this is a modest SME business. They have some very rigorous IP that's very highly regarded in the market. Yet in, after being in business for over 20 years, they needed to reevaluate to stay relevant. So they used a brand audit to inform those critical strategic decisions before building out their updated and more relevant brand strategy. Shona, their CEO, was also a participant in the Leaders Mastermind last spring because even though they have a good, strong LMS learning management system and their uh, business was, uh, has grown significantly, up until last March, 90% of that business was in person. So they had to rapidly transition and change their model and retrain all their people to work online. Over 50 people had to be retrained from delivering in person to delivering on, online. Something I'm sure quite a few of you had to do as well. The outcome when you leverage a brand audit is you get a strong baseline which establish insights, recommendations and a macro application plan to reduce those vulnerabilities, grow your strengths and leverage new opportunities. So coming back to Azana, you can see a little of what some of her problems entailed. Huge inconsistencies resulting in confused customers, a lack of customer trust and internal team confusion when trying to sell. Here you can see some of the outputs driven from her brand strategy and the results achieved. Consistency across all their channels, be it their own website or social channels. Start re-evaluating your brand and strategy to differentiate and achieve higher revenue. So the question you can potentially pose is, what if you don't do anything or continue to do the same thing as before? Well, then you're probably still going to get the same results perhaps waste money on your website, social media and design and nothing's really going to improve radically because you still don't have a strong brand strategy underpinning and providing direction for all those key decisions. So Zana, who's a very challenging woman to work with, had these issues too, as do many business leaders. And, 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 and it's been frequently shared with me. In fact, Ozana shared with me, you know, Lorraine, we've invested significantly. But when I taught up that against what we spent previously, well, the results speak for themselves. So it's a great return on investment. Ozana's now running a very successful SMB business that's seriously punching above its weight because they have a robust brand strategy delivering strong commercial results. In fact, they're now a partner with the Tony Robbins organization, a billion dollar business, which they would never have achieved if they hadn't had the courage to make significant changes with a strong brand strategy. She's converted her offline business into an entirely online business within six months. And like Sinead and Shona, her revenue is up again, proving we can all do it with the right tools and strategy and mindset. In fact, 
She told me last month that she's generated more revenue working entirely online in the last six months than in all, all the years prior to 2020. So now you know the importance of psychology and brand strategy to influence your ideal audience. The essentials to build a differentiated powerhouse brand. How to evaluate and leverage change. Your strengths, vulnerabilities and opportunities for innovation and growth so you can increase your sales. Now is your time to reevaluate and build your brand to grow your profits. So your actionables are reevaluate and differentiate using a brand audit. Consider and where, where your brand strategy sits. Because as you all know, tactics and strategy are not the same thing, but often get confused. Look closely at your differentiators, not just USPs, features and benefits, because they're not enough. Strong brands bounce back much faster and take market share over weak ones. This is proven multiple times from previous downturns. So now is not about sitting back and waiting and seeing. Not that I think that any of you are doing that right now. Now is about doubling down and moving forward effectively, addressing vulnerabilities, putting strong strategy in place and executing on it consistently. Communicate frequently and meaningfully on brand and consistently through your ideal channels. Use psychology, evaluate your customers' pain points and look at what you can do to influence, attract and retain them. Look and identify new growth opportunities through a brand audit. Look at your strategic and business brand objectives from the, we'll look at where, where you were pre-2020 through to 22-23. And before we move into Q&A, you can now, uh, I'm going to share with you a link so you can access the brand audit e-workbook. And if any of you would like to ask any questions in relation to what we've covered today or your brand strategy or brand audit, feel free to reach out. So here's the link now. You can actually also ac uh, access it with that QR code using the camera on your phone. So let me just put that into the chat for you. So, there's the link. Lorraine, that was uh, excellent and a very, very polished presentation, I have to say. And I loved your use of your blueprints and also of your case studies. and. Uh, We'll jump into questions now, and uh, I notice you're using Google Forms on your thing because I downloaded the QR code. But um, I'm I'm interested in asking you about the bakery. So, what once they did the brand audit, what was the one key or two key things that they realised about their business that they changed that took them from heading down a slippery slope to actually, you know, putting the icing on the cake, so to speak. The biggest thing that shifted and the thing and ironically, it's the thing that was the most the, that Sinead was most skeptical about was understanding because she's an accountant. She loves numbers. So she's not, you know, at that stage, she wasn't so clued in or engaged in all the emotional driver stuff and the psychology of influence. So for her, the big the big shift was when she had a much better understanding of the drivers uh, from a customer perspective. And most small businesses, you might have 
maybe five to ten purchaser personas and you'll have then the pain points that you identify with each of them because of the nature of her business she actually had close to 20 and she even when she started because she evaluates everything from a numerical perspective so when she did the numbers say around you know off-peak times when she had the elderly old reliables coming in frequently at you know off-peak times mid-afternoon she, she established then there's certain products that she wasn't really placing so much emphasis on that were really important and really profitable, say, to that customer. And then we looked at, right, well, what are the emotional drivers going to be? And with the massive shift, those customers coming in to make their regular purchase, most of them just couldn't move to operating online. So we had to look at how do we engage them? How do we leverage them? Then the connections, which would be their children, adult children, potentially or nearby friends to actually engage and make the purchases on their behalf so then we need to look at what are the challenges of that group and then how do we look at you know significant occasions that happen every year whether it's christmas or easter or around religious events how do you take and adapt that so we looked at okay what are the drivers people are feeling really uncertain how do we change so the brand becomes part of bringing some of that certainty and comfort back to people's lives? Because it's a well-established brand. It's around a long time. So it has a strong emotive base. So we've amplified. So for those of you who are Irish and you go take a look at her, we've, say, got a much better understanding of the customers. But for example, we've amplified the Dublinisms of the colloquial because our predominant market is the Dublin base. So we've become more dub and much more emotive in how we engage. And... And then we've developed packages that are very specific for more vulnerable types of customers. Then say, for example, uh, earlier this year, again, because people are living in uncertainty, we've had long periods of lockdown. We're probably going into more. One of the really simple things we did, you know, which would normally just, she'd never have considered before, but say, to get the community involved, we got the community, this is her audience, involved in something very simple, home crafting, because we could see there's been a huge trend in growth in home crafting. So getting customers involved and actually then created that home crafting into something that was caring for those nearest and dearest to you. Just little hearts. And then it became, because it was so successful, it became, it became the center of their Mother's Day initiative. So really the big driver for that business, aside from all the logistics of readapting your product, how you deliver it, going from large cakes to small cakes for just four people whereas normally they'd be you know serving a minimum of 15 to 20 all the emotional drivers around what people needed and making because our lives got shrunk to so to so many restrictions looking at making occasions out of smaller things instead of it being the big things that happened with large groups that keep people making small occasions like treats at the weekend so weekend and we named everything so that it wasn't just a humdrum it had a name that resonated people with emotionally so we put products together that were more compelling to their audience so it's a combination of all those elements just had myself on mute there because somebody just decided to start drilling in our building just towards the end of the call <laughs> so that's that's always good isn't it um, that's, that's fantastic. And, and I love that answer. And it was a really good detailed answer as well. And I saw Paul nodding there about, you know, going for the smallest stuff and making an occasion out of everything, which really made sense. And I think this is, there's been some really good, um, deliverables and some really good feedback in here. Um, if anybody wants to ask a question, just raise a hand and, and I'll hand you the, the, the microphone. Otherwise I'll, I'll keep going. Cause I have a couple of other questions for Lorraine. 
Lorraine, when somebody goes through the brand order, because everybody thinks, you know, when they think of brand, they think of logos and colors and typeset and, and all of that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think you gave some good slides there on, you know, the, the touching on the psychology and who's your customer and, and that type of thing. What are you finding when people are going through the brand audit now is the one or two aha moments that they're having as they're going through there from a general point of view? From a general point of view, it's getting people to step back from all those visual assets because people are very attached to them emotionally. And particularly if they've had them over a period of time or they've developed them, they've often developed them from a very personal perspective. And it's trying to get them to step back from that emotional attachment to their own, let's call them brand assets, which may or not may not be brand assets because they may not be delivering what you expect or want commercially, is getting them to step back and look at those underlying factors. So park all the visuals initially. We come back to that, but we're looking at what's really going on in the marketplace. At a minimum, you're looking at potentially doing gap analysis and evaluation. But all the time, the biggest factor we're looking at is what are the emotional drivers? So you're looking across multiple areas, what is driving those decisions? Because frequently people do not look at them. And that's usually the biggest aha for everybody. And then you start breaking that down, right? So what's the emotional driver in this context? If we're looking at the bigger purpose of what you do, what's the driver behind that? The reasons beyond the money. So we're looking, and, and in a lot of cases, some businesses haven't even thought of it in that context. They haven't looked at that or even realized how much of that drives actually the revenue within the business. I think actually you speak, uh, you know, real truth there because I, I doubt whether many businesses at all have ever really given consideration to what you call the internal emotional side of things, which is really what's happening inside them within the business. And, you know, we call it what's keeping you up at three o'clock in the morning about <laughs> your business, right? And I, I think that, you know, it's one thing to go, oh, yeah, I've done that, but have you done it in here or have you actually reached out to customers and actually said to them, what's keeping you up at three o'clock in the morning? What are you worried about at the moment, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we've got uh, different people from different businesses in here, you know, um, Paul does em employee productivity engagement, Elmo's in, in digital marketing, but all of those things, when you look at that, what's keeping a... Uh, a client who wants digital marketing up at three in the morning, what are they emotionally dealing with at the moment that's relevant in that industry, I think is, is a really good thing. And then um, one further thing there is, uh, what have you seen to be probably the quickest fixes for people in terms of moving from offline to online with the, the lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera. So once they've realized their client mindset, and once they've looked at this, have you seen something that's been a quick fix? Because I know that it's um, difficult if you own a cake company. You know, you've got to, you know, you're not going to stop making cakes necessarily, although you could go into online cooking schools. But, um, but have you seen anything that's been quick fixes for people that's worked? Are they going to masterminds or anything like that? Or what are uh, they doing? I mean, I guess if I look at just our own clients and customers, if we just even take that mastermind that we ran last spring, that was just very much a case of like, get your mindset right here and go back and look at the key factors because you fundamentally have a robust business. 
The business hasn't lost in and of itself relevance, but the way in which you deliver it. And then those purchaser personas or customer profiles and pain points and challenges have shifted a lot compared to say, let's say up to 2019. So what you had working really well pre 2020, a chunk of that just isn't relevant any longer. Absolutely. But re-evaluating in the context of where the world has moved to and where people's heads are at, living with constraints and huge fear and uncertainty, how do you readapt what you have? And I don't mean uh, being disingenuous here because Lord almighty, the amount of flipping emails I got in the first couple of months from people I didn't even know, you know, sharing with me, you know, give, you know, they really understood it was a challenging time and, and reaching out to see if I was okay. And they, I know them, but they're reaching out to see if I'm okay. Well, they don't actually have permission to reach out and see if I'm okay unless they have a genuine relationship with me. So it's about striking the right balance. Um, so you have to have permission and you have to have come from a place of authenticity, but reevaluating, looking at what you already have in place which is probably very well, very robust, very well developed and adapting it in the context of understanding what's driving your customers now. You could be repackaging it. You could be moving it into smaller bite sized chunks. You could be giving them an early, uh, an or a smaller piece of the equation to try and help them build confidence that a, this is worth their while doing because they've got leaner resources. Be that they have the confidence to take it on and that it's going to. So you want to give something that gives small wins easily and quickly. Then you can build their confidence up to a stage where they're kind of going, right, I can see where this is working. Now, actually, I can take on. And the belief in themselves that they can actually do it. And it's not going to be overwhelming because they're already overwhelmed. Everybody yep. has been overwhelmed. And they're and I, like in, in those nine weeks, we had everybody at different stages kind of going, I just don't know how I can do this, you know. And these are yep. really experienced business people. They're not lightweights. No, I get it. And uh, just one one final thing, and then I think we can uh, bring the call to a close. And I, and it's it's interesting. This has happened in the last few weeks for me. Um, and I've been on. I've done a lot of webinars in the last few weeks for different things. And and when when COVID hit, and I agree with you on your. Um, what you just said, you know, you can't reach out to everybody and go, are you okay? Because you don't have the right to. I sort of took it on myself. Anybody who is a customer or a strategic alliance or anybody that, you know, I cared about, you know, I, I made over 400 personal WhatsApp calls in the first couple of weeks to people checking in on them. Mm. Are you all right? And I've come across in the last couple of weeks, um, other people that have done something similar and I hadn't found anybody. And now today you mentioned that, you know, you, you brought your people together for a mastermind and did that. So people have done these masterminds, these think tanks, they've, re tanks, they've reached out to people personally. And I have to say, um, the people that have done this seem to have thrived through this time. And the people who have gone back and gone, oh, I don't know what to do and I shouldn't talk to them. I shouldn't ring my customers because they're all upset or whatever. Um, they, they've really struggled through this time. So, so well done for you on that. Folks, uh, Lorraine Carter, that was uh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got the link up there in, in the, the chat as well. And if you've got a photo of it, of the uh, QR code on there. Lorraine, uh, thank you so much for being on the call today. And folks, thank you for being on the call. And we will see you uh, next week, where I think our guest speaker next week, if I'm not mistaken, is me. So, uh, 
So that's uh, that's my turn next week. I can't remember what I'm talking about, but it is set in concrete. So I have to go and look at the my own advices there. So everybody's saying thanks, Lorraine. Thank you so much, everybody. And we'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, Lorraine. You're very I'm, welcome. Loved it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Lorraine. That was uh, that was really good, and uh, you know, I hope you get some some business out of it. And I definitely think you will from our extended audience. Your presentation's really sharp. Um, I love your use of blueprints. Um, you know, we're big blueprint fans, and the way you broke it out uh, is really good as well. And I think there's some, and your use of case studies is excellent. Well, they're yeah. live. They're real customers. Of course they are, but uh, but I mean it's 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 one thing to have those case studies. It's second is is how you actually interact with them as as well and and bring them to life. So I think that was that was great, and uh, you know I know people enjoyed it, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff in the chat and going backwards and forwards as well. So thank you so much, and if there's any way in which I can return the favour or help you, just reach out to me. Thanks, Mike. It was lovely to catch up with you. It really was. And uh, I really wish you all the best and have a have a lovely rest of the year. You too. Take care and give my best to um, Landy. Yes, I'll do that. Okay, yeah. take care. See you then. Bye bye. Bye.